Hello and welcome to the Lost in Possession podcast. Three mates, three different teams, three very different opinions. Coming up on today's show, a, pen, a Panika penalty put Pep City in their place in a pulsating Champions League tie in the week. While, of course, Liverpool have got the upper hand over Villarreal. We'll also talk Europa League and Conference League after a few more interesting ties have certainly left things in the balance there. And now, and of course, we'll talk about transfers. Transfer season is now almost upon us and the stories will start swirling and the moves will start happening. Will Rice muller his reputation with the West Ham fans and go West for a dream union to Chelsea? Or will he join Ten Hag's revolution at United? Remains to be seen. Or will Mbappe finally make the move to Madrid? Pochettino and Killian seem to be throwing things up in the air, but we'll discuss that in detail. We, of course, have Rudiger on the move to Madrid too, supposedly. So let's get the show on the road with our resident City fan, Jamie. An absolute thriller with a 4-3 victory. However, it's certainly not as comfortable as we all thought it would be. What are your thoughts? Well, for the game, I guess, for all the neutrals, it was a thriller. For me, I can't keep living like this with my heart. I will drop dead one day just from putting out of it. But that's a different that's a different matter. The game was thrilling, but despite winning 4-3, I came out feeling disappointed. We we were such on top, obviously scoring after 94 seconds, puts you in such a great spot. And then when we took the two before I think it was before the 15th minute or something along that lines we're we're like well in this we're looking at Paris tickets while we're in the stadium it's like coming up but obviously not really but you know the way we played was good but I just don't see Real Madrid being that poor defensively at the Bernabeu which is my concern Obviously, we did have injuries as well. We had Stones coming as a right-back who wasn't fully fit, then putting in Ferdinandinho. And obviously, for their um, second goal, showed why Ferdinandinho isn't a right-back <laughs> when you're getting done there on the halfway line. Um, we should... I still think... We, we had the chances to probably even score more. And that's saying something when you score four. And that was, I think, the the issue. But it did feel like the Monaco game years ago where we just went, we will score more than you. <laughs> we don't care. We're going to go full out attack. We will score more than you. It works in one leg. Will it work in, in the away leg? I don't think so if we're going to play like that because I don't see them being that bad. What did you make of it, George? I assume you were. Oh, uh, just wow. What a game. Um, it, it's, it's football matches like that that remind us why we love the game and why it's called a beautiful game. I mean, one of the greatest games I've ever watched, in my opinion, end-to-end stuff. Maybe, you know, as you said, a bit of early City dominance. Could have taken a couple chances, but my word, what a game of football. Um, you know, we talk about, we've said it a few times, Real Madrid maybe not being as good as they were years ago, but the, the, the way, the character they show to stay in games even when they're getting almost battered at times, it's just truly incredible. You know, they've done it against PSG, they've done it against us, they've done it against you. It's just ridiculous. 
they're, they're, you know, they, you said you're right. They're, they're dom- you were dominating them early doors. Like, similar to how we were in the burnout, just chance after chance after chance. But it doesn't matter. Whatever happens, they still find a way to bounce back, come back in the game, um, and keep the tie alive. So, sh- surely we can't see a game that entertaining in the Bernabeu. I think it's going to be a very, very tight game. Um, and I think, for me, yes, obviously, City have the advantage. I think it's going to be a very long night for you guys. And I think it's going to be end-to-end goals going in at, at both ends. Um, so, I'm looking forward to it, definitely. Um, with, I mean, we've got to talk about Benzema. <sighs> I, I literally speechless. Like it, the first goal, it's almost not a chance. He's not even looked at the ball. He's he's nutmegged on a volley. It's just incredible. And then, somehow he, he he tops himself. He's getting lasered in the eyes. There's a disco party going on in his face, and then he has the audacity to Penenka in in a get. Ah, oh, it's just unbelievable. What a player. Um, yeah, very much looking forward to the second leg. That's all I can say on that. Yeah, it was an amazing game. Um, I mean, we were saying just before it, like Madrid don't even need a chance that, to get into a game. They, yeah. But they, you know, they just do it. And I think, you know, City coasting that 2-0 lead, we thought this this could be their sort of, you know, could be a bit of a batter in here. But again, you know, Benzema just comes out with it. And then, yeah, you know, he had more front than south end to put on that, put on that penalty. And, he did. You know, most players would never have dared gone down there. You'd rifle it down the middle or go for the bottom corner. And he did it. He caught Edison out. And I think psychologically, what that penalty does as well to City, that's either going to anger them or it's going to intimidate them. And even though I believe City are going to go through, still, I mean, what a game. Just, just breathtaking. If we want to go over to the other game of the semi-finals, Liverpool-Villarreal. Now, I think all three of us were quite confident a Liverpool win. I think myself and Reese got the 2-0 result right. I can't remember your prediction, Jordan. I think I went 2-1. I fancied Villarreal. It didn't happen. So, yeah, not too bad having it recorded and getting the score right. Um, Reese, what did you make of that game? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think Villarreal set out exactly what I thought many of us expected us to do. I know a lot of pundits were very critical of Villarreal's setup, but you know, if, if Villarreal try and play Liverpool at their own game, it's 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 going to end badly for them. You know, we need to stop criticizing tactics and and understanding that different teams will have different approaches. That's what can make football exciting. You know, um, yeah, Liverpool look like they. I think Liverpool needed to get the job done at Anfield. Because with Villarreal under Emery, I think you don't know what you're going to get sometimes. You know, there's there's nothing stopping Villarreal winning that game three 0 I think I think they might even might even go one 0 up. You know, and push Liverpool to the edge. Um, but yeah, I think a game that we expected to happen. Nothing too glamorous. Nothing too exciting. It's standard 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 game that Liverpool needed to get right, and they did. Yeah, I think, yeah, spot on. I can't disagree with much you've said there. I mean, we we knew Liverpool were going to dominate, you know, possession. We knew they were going to have more shots. Um, struggled in the first half a little bit, you know, similar to that Everton game where a lot of possession, a lot of shots, but not enough on target. Um, but Villarreal, ultimately, that they, they, they've lost the tyre 
in, in what, a minute and a half. Um, lucky deflection, lucky, maybe unlucky punch from the keeper, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, the keeper was doing that all night, to be fair, punching it, trying to punch instead of catch every opportunity. Um, and then, yeah, crowd crowd turned up. 30 seconds later or whatever it was, you're 2-0 down at Anfield, game over. Um, and for me, tie up, tie over. I don't, I don't give them a chance of winning 2-0. No, um, I kind of agree with that. It's sort of it's something Liverpool are the best I've ever seen at doing. Once they get that one, they'll go and get the two, the three. They do it in they just do it in a sort of five minute spell, and you just don't know what's happened. And that's why I think I said it to both of you in the chat. I just went Villarreal now. Villarreal need to hold on for five minutes, not to concede the second goal, and then <laughs> it was so short after. Then they go and score. Very close to being offside. I think it was onside, just. But when it's that close, I think you should give it to the attacker. But I think Jordan will have some different opinions due to the Lukaku one in the final. Yeah, I think I said it. I said it at the time. He he, he was onside as Lukaku was in the Carabao final. Same old story. 50-50 VAR offside decision goes Liverpool's way, but is what it is. But bringing back to what Reese was saying with the tactics of Villarreal, I thought that's exactly what you should do. You've got to frustrate them. Get Make sure you're still in it for the second leg. Now, 2-0 isn't a disastrous result. But like we said, we, we do still think Liverpool will go through quite comfortably. But you've got the likes of Talk Sport and I think it's Jason Cundy. He's a Chelsea fan for one. So I don't know why he's getting like this, calling Villarreal a disgrace. Is he? I just don't understand it. I know it's all clickbaity stuff from Talksport. It just is constantly. Villarreal have got a wage budget less than Burnley. Like, what do you expect them to do? They, they. I think they were saying that Villarreal as a town is about the same size as Morecambe or a bit smaller, something like that. What do you expect from him to go guns blazing? I know he might, I think he might have been overexcited seeing the City Real Madrid game the day before, but you know, them two are backed by absolute millionaire billionaires kind of people. Like, I just don't understand how you can have that. Villarreal have done nothing but a credit to this Champions League, knocking out big clubs of Juve and Bayern when no one would give them a chance. I know Juve aren't as good as they've been in previous years, but you still wouldn't have given them a chance when you looked at the two teams. And the one thing I want to say to credit to Villarreal as a club is the ticket prices they're giving out for these Champions League games. I know City's prices are sort of 60 quid plus and stuff like that. I think it was £20 they're charging for Champions League semi-final. 20 euros. 20, yeah, 20 euros, sorry. That's just incredible. That's what it should be costing because effectively our, t- our revenue that we make from tickets doesn't really affect what else goes on. And they've, I think they've actually like subsidised travel or something along them lines to help Liverpool fans come over. It's like they're not just doing it for their home fans. They've done it for the whole atmosphere of the crowd. And to call them a disgrace, I just think is bang out of order. And if it's not just for doing the clickbait in trying to get people to be rifled up, like I was seeing it. Yeah, yeah. it's worked. It's worked. It's, done worked. it's worked if he actually is doing it for that. But if he's actually meant it, 
I, I generally can't believe it. It's sort of, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree but, more. I couldn't agree more. Um, it, it, you're right. It, I think it's a clickbait comment, in my opinion. I do agree with a lot of what what uh, Jason Cundy says, but but that he could not be more wrong. Fan, yeah, yeah, of course. But <laughs> it, it, yeah, on, on that statement, he, he couldn't be more wrong. The way they play was as expected. They're absolute minnows in, in the relative kind of strength. You know, with City, Madrid, PSG, all these big teams in Europe. Um, and yeah, with the ticket prices alone, they've showed what a football club should be about, about the fans. Um, so credit to Villarreal, whether they go and get battered at home, it doesn't matter. Um, they've exceeded expectations and they fully deserve every ounce of credit. And, and Emery as well deserves a lot of credit for even getting them to the semis. Um, so yeah, completely disagree with with Kandi. Yeah, um, absolutely. Villarreal, a city of just 50,000, well, just over 50,000 people there. Um, doing much better than their Valencian neighbours, Valencia, that's for sure, on a much more shoestring budget. So just, just in regards to that, um, do we? I know we have said that we're writing Villarreal off, but what do we think the score is going to be in the return fixture? You know, are the yellow submarine going to come, come afloat? Or do we think Real Madrid are going to overturn the um, deficit and beat City? Or are we all banking on a City-Liverpool final? Uh, what do we think, gentlemen? Let's start with the person whose team are actually in this tournament. So, Jamie, fire away. So, I'll start with the City-Real Madrid game at the Bernabeu. I think that's going to be quite a close game. I don't think there'll be as many goals. Um, one thing I'm happy with is Cancelo's back from suspension and it's more 50-50 if Carl Walker's going to be back. If both of them are back, I'm very confident going through. I think Cancelo's the only one who's going to be back. Be much more better having a right back. Um, I'd go probably with... I'm going to go, we're going to beat them again and it's going to be a 2-1. And that'll be four in a row we beat Real Madrid if I'm right. Currently, it's three in a row against them, and we've actually got a better record against Real Madrid than they've got against us, which is quite a big, big achievement for us. But yeah, for that one, two-one City, and I see another two-nil Liverpool. I didn't see enough from Villarreal to actually hurt Liverpool. I don't think Liverpool really got out of second, third gear. So yeah, they'll go with that. For me, I. I'm going to make two quite bold statements here. Um, Villarreal, on the night, I actually think the game will probably be a draw. Um, obviously, Villarreal, I, I don't think we'll get through. I think they'll put on a show. I think the crowd will get behind them. And they'll make it difficult for Liverpool, as they did you know, for the first 45. Um, if I had to pick a score, I'd probably say one or maybe two all. Um, I think it's going to be tight. I think Villarreal will definitely score. Um, but ultimately, Liverpool will go through. Now, the big one... I'm going to make a bold statement. I know I'm going against logic. I know I'm going against the odds. I think we're going to see another European city slash pep bottle. Um, big statement. Majority would disagree. The odds would disagree with me. But I've seen enough out of Real Madrid. I've seen enough character. I've seen enough goals at the right times in, in awkward moments. And I've seen enough from City away particularly referencing, obviously, the, the Atletico Madrid game. You know, City on the night were an absolute shadow of what they are. Um, and Atletico Madrid are very, very poor and actually rattled you for probably 60 minutes, got under your skin. And actually, for a team who, who we all sat here and said had little to none attacking ability, 
really rattled City and had probably four or five good chances to equalise. And, and when you compare that to the quality of Madrid at the Bernabeu with Benzema, with, with you know, Vinicius Junior, I think I do see a scenario where Real Madrid win on the night by a goal, take it to extra time, and it's more of a 50-50. Um, but I'm going to put my neck on the line and think somehow Madrid are going to find a way and City are going to, are going to somehow crumble. All right. So what's the score prediction, George? Sorry, score, score prediction. So 2-1 two, two, one, two, one to Madrid on the night. And then maybe, I, I don't know what happens next time, but I think Madrid will find a way. Maybe penalties, maybe penalties. Wow, bold statement. Very bold. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, um, I'll go quickly. I think Villarreal are going to win the, the, the leg on the night. I think, I think they will push um, Liverpool to a sweat because I think Liverpool had that, you know, that fear against knocked into him by Inter. I think Villarreal will beat them 1-0. Um, but I think if Liverpool are to win, they're going to need to score goals early, really take the stuffing out of, out of that tie. City-Liverpool... Uh, City-Madrid, sorry, I'm already predicting the final. Um, City-Madrid, I think... I think the gods are shining on City here. I think I think it'll be a draw, 1-1 one, one, one draw. I think City will, will do enough to just get through. Um and I think we're going to have a really exciting final ahead of us. And uh, before we move on to the transfers, actually, a really interesting stat there, Jamie, about, about the record against Real Madrid. However, um, Stockport then, therefore, have a better record against Man City than Real Madrid do. So maybe Stockport should be playing. <laughs> I don't know. Don't, maybe, don't, don't interesting for another day. So moving swiftly on, as you know, it's transfer season is now just on the horizon. Just a few weeks and still... The market opens and people go left, right and centre. Um, are we going to be expecting a busy summer like we did last year or are we expecting a bit more strategic, bit more slow? You know, a lot of things going on. For example, Declan Rice potentially leaving West Ham after rejecting New Deal. We've got Pochettino saying that Mbappe is going to stay at PSG as well as himself, which I think both are very unlikely. Um, and then, of course, you know, City, will they need to strengthen? I mean, they're on for a league and Champions League double. And Chelsea look like they're going to lose Rüdiger. Who will they replace him with? Lot of options. You know, let's get the ball rolling. Start with any of them you like. Jordan, go for it. No, we'll start with the one that's is seemingly kind of done and dusted. Um, with with obviously Antonio Rüdiger uh, departing to Madrid. It seems. Um, I think it's like ninety percent done. It seems. Um, devastating loss. There's there's no there's no um, there's no sugarcoating it for us. You know, under two, I said it. I said it previously, he has been for me kind of one, you know, top top three, maybe top five um, centre-backs in the world um, in form-wise under Tuchel. Um, he, he's been phenomenal and it's hard to sit here and, and say 100% we can replace a player of that quality and that form. So it's, a, it's, it's frustrating because if I'm being honest, it doesn't feel like this would have happened if the owner situation wasn't so, you know, murky. Um, I think Rudiger's agent is his brother. Um, he's made a few comments or a little bit, uh, uh, as we know, agents are, you know, very questionable characters morally in, in most cases. Um, and it does feel like there's a bit of greed being brought in on, on his agent's part. But as I said before, it's very clear to me that Rudiger's happy at Chelsea. He's loved his time. He's loved all the trophies and he's happy on the pitch. He loves the fans and the fans love him. So devastating loss. In, in terms of replacements, 
I can't sit here and say 100% there's a direct replacement for, for Rudiger. Um, Jules Kunde, who obviously we were almost, you know, 99% transfer done previously. I believe that will come through this summer. I think Sevilla were being a little bit greedy last minute, wanted to get a bit more, bit more cash. And that's ultimately what happened. Kunde for me is the best opportunity in terms of quality. He's young. Um, he's probably the most like for like or the closest replacement we'll, we'll get for Rudiger. Um, but as always, we might have to turn to our, our loanees and, and obviously our youth academy best in the world. Um, one player who a lot of Chelsea fans have been keeping an eye on um, is Levi Colwell. Um, currently on loan at Huddersfield, been absolutely phenomenal. Um, I've seen some of the highlights. I've seen so many man of the match performances. So again, I'm not sitting here saying he's going to be the next Rudiger, but I, I hope we bring him back this summer. Um, and I think we could see big things from him. And, and he obviously has to step up, but we've seen it with Reese James. We've seen it with players like Mason Mount. They've got the talent. They've got the ability. And I believe they'll step up. So hopefully we won't be completely out of it next season. I think with the Rudiger like, leaving as well, obviously you've got Christensen, I believe, is also going to be leaving you. That's two centre-backs going from Chelsea. And then your remaining ones are Thiago Silva, now, he is quality, but he's going to be, what, 37, something like that. Then you've got Asper Aqueta. I think he's now staying. There's still sort of like, he might be staying, might not be. Yeah, but he's, awesome, he's, he's quite old. Then you've got Saar. From what I've seen of Saar, he's not obviously good enough to replace Rudiger. I think he'd be fine as a Christensen replacement, but then I think you've probably got to look for still two centre-halves. Now, one that's sort of being mentioned is the Pau Torres, who's at Villarreal. He's got a €60 million Euro release clause, I think, that ends this, like after this summer. From what I've seen of him, I still don't know if he's good enough for that top level. But for people who are out there, I don't see there being tons of options. Um, what what would you be would you be happy with Torres? Obviously, you'd rather Rudiger stay, but that's looking very like not happening anymore. Yeah. Is Torres a good enough replacement? No, I don't think I've seen enough in Torres to say categorically um, he he would he would work. Um, I think there's been a lot of hype around him recently, and probably justifiably so. Um, obviously, City, City, I believe, have been linked with him as well. Um, and you know, know, yeah, if those three clubs being linked with someone, you clearly got some talent. Um, I think you're right with Saar. I've not seen enough yet. I think he could be, you know, quite a good Christensen replacement. Um, we've got Chalabar as well, who, you know, came out of relative obscurity at the start of the season. No one really thought he was going to be in the squad. And actually, in terms of, he's been extremely consistent when he's played this season. So he's another one, again, a young star who I can see stepping up to the plate um, when these gaps open up. But yeah, Pau Torres, I don't want to call it too early at this stage. I need to see more. But ultimately, look, it, if he's good, if the scouts are saying he's good, let's get him in because we, we need a pipeline <laughs> of centre-backs here. We don't, want to, we don't want to be last minute. Um, so yeah, we'll see, we'll see. Very moving. Go on, Rhys. I was just going to say, very interesting. I think, I think just moving on to that linking Chelsea here, and I think City can come into us as well. Um, Declan Rice, uh, he's 
reportedly rejected another deal at West Ham. He obviously is is looking to move on to pastures new. Um, he's been a good servant for the club. So, do you think Jordan that he will be an addition to Chelsea this summer, or do you think he might join Man United? Or Jamie, feel free to jump in here. Do you think he's somebody that City City need? I'm aware that he can fill you know various positions. So it'd be great to hear hear both of your thoughts on that. Um, I think it's a on. great it's a great summer for him to want the move because Ferdinandino is leaving City. United need a centre defensive midfielder. That's I think everyone in the world knows that. And Chelsea are starting, I think, needing to freshen up the midfield slightly. With I think Jorginho's sort of fallen slightly off the pace this year. Um, you've had a few injuries and Kante's getting older. So th- them three clubs obviously definitely can get him. I think for City, it's going to be too much with another transfer we're going to mention in a little bit. And if it is 150 million, I, I see it being a struggle for all three teams to put that money up. I think the most likely is Chelsea out of these. He's obviously mentioned it before. He's like, he's been caught on camera saying I'd do well in a in a midfield three at Chelsea with Kante and Mount. He's he's obviously best friends with Mount, I believe, from sort of like childhood. So everything's pointing towards Chelsea. However, your ownership is the one thing that can completely stop you. What have you? What what are you about, Jordan? Yeah, so I, if there's ever one player I want to see in a Chelsea shirt, um, it's Declan Rice. Um, and every, I can't see a, Chelsea, a possible Chelsea fan who will sit there and say, we don't want to see Rice in the Chelsea shirt. The guy's 23. He's absolutely phenomenal. I'd also disagree with this whole kind of CDM role he's been pigeonholed with. He's actually shown this season in a West Ham shirt, obviously, what he can do going forward on the pitch. He can score, he can assist, he can do so much more than that CDM role. Um, so for me, he, he we have to sign him in the next few years. Absolutely have to. He should be top priority. As you touched on, um, Jorginho, obviously I'm not going to write him off yet. You know, he was Ballon d'Or nominee like literally last year. Um, Somehow some anyway. Yeah, no. Nah, nah, look, <laughs> people don't rate him after he misses a penalty, but there's so much more to his game. But you're right, obviously he's getting older. Um, and Kante, I, I never thought I'd say, I, I never thought I'd see the day that I'm saying that Kante's had a bad spell of, of form. But in the last probably month or two, he's not been putting in nine or tens, nine out of tens that he normally does. He's been putting in sort of, you know, sevens and maybe a six in there. But yeah, we, I, I don't think this is going to happen this summer. I, I strongly don't think it's going to happen. Moyes has said we're not selling. I know Moyes, does, Moyes isn't the guy who decides it. Obviously, Moyes just doesn't want to lose him. So obviously he's going to say he's worth 150 mil. He's off for sale. Um, I think this will happen either next season or the season after when he's officially out of contract. Um, we're not desperate for him now, I don't think. Again, remember, we've got Conor Gallagher coming back to freshen up the midfield as well. Um, Loftus-Cheek stepped up a lot in the last few months. So we're not desperate this season. But in my opinion, we're, we're desperate for him the season after. As you've said, the Chelsea Academy history, the comments he's made, the, the relationship with Mason Mount, um, and uh, the prospect of having a, a Mount Rice Gallagher midfield three one day is 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 enough to get you excited for the future. Um, so I hope it happens, but probably next season or, or season after. 
Really interesting. And Jamie, I know there's nothing really been massively linked with City at the moment, but um, even if they do win the league and the Champions League or one or the other, um, there's obviously ways that teams still improve. Do you think there's anybody in, um, that City should be going for in the market this summer in particular? Well, I think there's the massive obvious one, which I think obviously I think everyone was expected to be the biggest deal in the summer, but because of the release clause, it's kind of been dwindling down already, and that's Haaland. We need a striker. I know we still, I think we're the second top goal scorers in the league after Liverpool this season, and we've been the top for years, but we do need a striker. You, we, in the Real Madrid game, for example, there was countless times if we just had that actual focal point of the striker, he could have had a hat-trick that day. I've seen it when we played Palace and drew nil-nil. If we had a striker, there was just balls across there that you expect a number nine to put them away. In terms of other positions, we'll need, we will need a centre-defensive midfielder because Fernandinho is going to leave. And he's been phenomenal for us, but I think it's fine, fair enough. He wants to go and play more matches. But we need to sign someone who's going to be young and probably not that expensive. He's got to be more of a backup to Rodri at the moment. So that's why I don't see the rice happening because you're not going to spend 150 million on someone like that. And then we've always needed a left back, but I, I really don't see that happening because that's meant to been the case for the past like five years. But I think Haaland's the one, and I do think it's going to happen now, seeing the reports that the likes of, I think, Chelsea, Real Madrid, uh, so Chelsea, United, Barca and Bayern, I don't see any of them coming in. It, it was between us and Real Madrid. And now you're seeing a lot of Real Madrid links going, we're worried about his injury record. It's all excuses saying we're not getting him, I think. So I'm really, really confident, actually. I'm not going to say it's 100% done because something might happen. You never know. Real Madrid might go, here's a billion pound a year. They're going to go, well, I'm stupid if I don't, don't get that. So I think we're going to get our big summer signing of Haaland and that will help us massively. Um, yeah. What about you, Reese? on the other end with Arsenal? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go to Arsenal in just a second because um, I think it does link with City quite well. But I think I think Haaland is going to be the big addition for City. I don't think they're going to panic elsewhere in the market. They never do panic. But I, I do agree, though. I do think the injury record could be a concern. And I will say that Pep's record of getting the best out of his centre forwards isn't flawless. You know, Eto'o, he forced out the door. Ibrahimovic, he forced out the door, who are both world-class. The same might happen with Haaland. I don't know. Um, but obviously, of course, remains to be seen. But of course, that means that Haaland will be taking the place of Gabriel Jesus, who, as you know, is is a proven goal scorer at Premier League level. Um, he's been linked heavily with Arsenal this summer. I mean, I think he'd be a great addition for Arsenal. I think he's proven he can score goals, and I think he fits the mould of what Arteta's trying to build. Um, do I think he should be? Do I think he's going to be the thirty goal a season sort of saviour? Not necessarily. I think he'll contribute a lot more than what Abemyang has done over the last couple of years or so. And I think he'll contribute, he'll offer something different to what Lacazette currently does. Um, I think he'll work well. I think he could 
I think he'll fit that position well, and I think he's some a player that Arsenal do need. And if they do get him relatively cheap, they'd be mad not to go for it. But I think I think Arsenal again. You know, there's a lot of criticisms of Arteta, but there is no need to panic in the market. He's definitely following Pep's mould there. There's no point going out to buy. You know, Vladovic turned us down in January, and I completely understand that. Why wouldn't he go to Juventus? So therefore, why should we need to sign a replacement? There's no point going for a player that we don't actually want and also get him at an inflated price, you know, when we can go again in the summer. Um, and I think Arteta's got that that plan down to a T. I think there are other positions that could be filled out. I think a couple of contracts need to be offered out to someone, say, like El Nene, because he's a good backup option. And I think maybe just go for someone with a bit of... I don't know. I think I think maybe a bit more of an explosive midfielder could be of use. Um, but I think more depth is definitely needed in that squad. I think we're going to have Saliba back. You know, if him and Arteta decide that you know it is going to work, get on, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think just more strength in depth, and I think I think don't need to go for young players. I think we need to go for experience, and I think ideally we see if we can tap the market of players that have got got a good experience and also have a good track record behind them in terms of trophy because I think you need that leader to get you over the line at times and I think I think there are some players out there we could go for realistic or not but yeah I, I think it's an interesting summer which I know we'll definitely go into more detail about um as you know as the summer goes on I think we should move on though in terms of the continent and we should talk about what a summer it should be or could be for PSG. Now, Pottagino has already said, as we've touched upon, Heerman and Killian are 100% staying in Paris. You know, I mean, I don't know why you'd want to leave Paris, but apparently they're all staying. You know, the Madrid deal looked a foregone conclusion. It looked like he was going. He said himself. However, now it looks like things are going to change. Do we think Mbappe is going to stay or go, or do we think they're going to stick and twist with Pottagino? I think it's going to be probably the most exciting one of the summer. You know, PSG dominated last year. So let's see if they dominate the summer again this year. Uh, Jamie, what do you think? I, I'd be very surprised if both are still there come the start of the new season. I think Poch is going to be sacked at the end of the season. There was already reports that the board have already agreed to sack him and it was going to happen in like the next 24 hours or something. Obviously, that hasn't happened yet. I thought that had been a bit ridiculous. I thought, wait till the end of the season and he'll be gone. Mbappe, he's wanted to move to Madrid. I think that's been something that's sort of well-known. And I think it's it's now or... Well, it's not now or never because of his age, but I feel like it's just got to be now. That will get their front three up to be Benzema, Victor and Mbappe. It's a formidable front three. And on a three, it's perfect, I think, timing. That's, yeah, I don't see anything other than that. If PSG are offering something like 50 million a year for Mbappe to stay with a 100 million signing on fee, sometimes money just won't cut it. (laughs) I know I'm a City fan saying that, but I feel like that is the case with this. Mbappe, I think, will go. Jordan, what's your take on it? I, I mean, I hope he doesn't, purely for the chain of the chain reaction. Um, obviously, if Mbappe stays at PSG, Madrid will then turn on the books, the the blank check for for Haaland, and then he won't go City. So, mate, <laughs> secretly, maybe I'm hoping that that happens. But 
I think the, your point around now or never, I don't agree with because Mbappe's so young, he, he could sign another £50 million deal with PSG for, what, three, four years and still get that big money move, dream move to Madrid in, in four years. So I don't completely agree with that desperation to move. Um, obviously, I made my feelings very clear on PSG as a club anyway um, earlier in the week. So maybe, maybe in that front. Um, Mbappe will just leave because PSG are a state rather than, you know, desperate has to leave now for money. Um, but either way, where, you know, wherever he ends up, if he does go Madrid, I think you're right. Vinicius Jr., Mbappe and Benzema as a front three, that's going back, you know, Galacticos style, getting Madrid back up to where they should be. Um, so that will certainly excite Real Madrid fans. But similarly, if Mbappe doesn't work out and Haaland's part of that front three, they're going to be equally as formidable. So I think whatever happens now, good times are ahead for Real Madrid. Um, and it remains to be seen if Poch stays. I, I'm not convinced he will. I'm really not convinced he will. Um, but we'll see. I think either way, it's, it's definitely an exciting summer ahead for a lot of clubs. Um, and hopefully it's going to be an old school transfer window where there's last minute deals, everyone's running around and it's it's all a bit, all a bit messy. Um so yeah, that I think yeah. Hopefully, good summer ahead. Yeah, very interesting stuff. I just I do just want to go back to this because I think the peer, the Mbappe story is going to be a massive, massive one. You know, will he or won't he? I think PSG and Real Madrid definitely both need him more than he needs them. Um, I think Real Madrid with their money situation and need to reduce the age of their squad and, and bring in that little bit of talent is essential. Whereas PSG are going to lose their marquee name. You know. He is he's born in Paris, you know, he's from Paris. He is their poster boy, and what he generates for them is incredible. If he does go, as well as Poch, who will PSG who do you think would PSG replace him with? I know they've already got an abundance of riches with Neymar, Di Maria, and of course Messi, but who do you think they do you think they'll go out and out and get a replacement for Mbappe? I think they'll get a, they'll go for a striker. And I think that's probably what you were leading on. I think they'll go for Lewandowski. He's currently un like the contract situation is going on with Bayern at the moment, but I feel like he's been felt. I'm not not too happy being told I can't leave if I want to. I'll be in quite a good servant for him. So that's what I think will do will happen. I've, but you also got Barca wanting him as well, George. Yeah, I, I agree with that, actually. I think if Mbappe goes, also PSG, though, will, will again enter the race for Haaland. Again, blank check. I see it happening. Um, but yeah, it reached the right. That losing the poster boy, losing Mbappe, a young guy, one of the best in the world, is extremely damaging to their brand. And Jamie, as you discussed earlier in the week, this could be the start of a massive downfall for PSG, where their owners take a back seat, scale back their investment. They lose Mbappe. Maybe, maybe Messi goes back on a free to Barcelona. Who knows? Um, so, yeah, I think it's definitely going to be a very exciting transfer window ahead, hopefully. Um, but, yeah, on that, uh, on that note, um, we'll have to wrap it up for this week. As always, let us know your thoughts. We want to know, you know, who's your club? Who, who should your club sign this summer? Let us know in your comments. And maybe on next week's transfer edition, um, we can start discussing ideas in, in other clubs as well. Um, but yeah, that wraps us up. As always, like, comment and subscribe. You know the drill. Here we go.